This is the CineSnob Podcast. Welcome to episode 159 of the CineSnob Podcast. I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. Cody, it's the first week um, we're reviewing some films we haven't had to pay for. Yeah. On uh, on demand, we actually had two um, movies that were one was on Netflix, the other one was a, a free preview. Um, but uh, how does how it been? Um, paying for this stuff for you like it's it's rather expensive we were talking about yeah uh, like 20 bucks a rental yeah and i think that the the biggest problem that we've been sort of talking about has been sustainability of that you know is it once the novelty of it wears off of oh this movie's supposed to be in theaters and then it's just like that's just how movies are released for the time being Mm -hmm. um i don't really know that that $20 $20 price point is going to be entirely sustainable, um, especially for movies that are, you know, like like the one from last week, the Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, which is sort of a real small independent movie that um, that sort of has a premium price on it. But it's like a, a, you know, a tiny little indie film that I don't think that people would be super excited to, you know, put on their projectors at home or their big screen TVs. It's just it it's also a bit of a downer. too. Yeah, exactly. But um, one thing that is happening, though, that I've noticed, um, this was the first week where some stuff uh, dropped in price for rental, and it wasn't necessarily any of the stuff that um, that was exclusively put out on VOD. It was just more of the stuff that was earlier, like um, like uh, um, it was uh, the Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, um, Call of the Wild, The Gentleman, and Downhill. All of those movies dropped to five ninety nine for rentals um, this week. And I sort of wonder with some other stuff that was VOD exclusive or like one week after like The Hunt or um, Emma or um, uh, The uh, the Way Back or things like that. I wonder if things like that in recent weeks will drop down a little bit lower to make that price point a little bit better um, and easier to handle. Because there's no way that they're making a lot of money off of Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always. Yeah, um, this is with this past weekend. We're not reviewing it, but with the Trolls World Tour being mm-hmm. released – it's the first uh it's really the first one I've seen kind of widespread on my Facebook page uh with people actually renting and talking about because you know everyone with kids is buying it for their kids mm-hmm. and uh, uh like a friend of mine expressed outrage at the twenty dollar to rent price yeah um, he still ended up doing it, but you know it's not a it's not the uh it's not the price point I think that most people are gonna immediately buy into. And I, I don't really, you know, I don't know the the economics of it, but it seems like that's. Um... Well, and it is. I mean, to be fair, it is the number one movie on iTunes right now. So, I mean, yeah, it, I mean, it's working, obviously, but yeah, it's working and it's charting. But, um, you know, I, I think the the problem again uh, is going to be when the novelty wears off, and where you know, if I think most theaters don't. I mean, there's no even new releases coming out in theaters until at least June or July at this point. So, you know, again, once the novelty wears off and, and it's, uh, and regardless of when movie theaters open again, but anything that comes out between now and then, it's just all going to depend on if people are going to be, cause you know, has there really been anything super high profile earth shattering that's come out thus far for 20 bucks that, that sort of warranted the price point? I would argue no, but you know, well, and then, um, I think we're only in the first real week of uh, something that was supposed to be in theaters hitting um, 
VOD, right? Like troll. I mean, obviously something like, uh, um, uh, never rarely, sometimes always had a, a smaller release mm-hmm. before. Uh, but the trolls is the, is the first thing that, that was had it has had no theatrical release when it was meant to. Yeah, went straight believe, to VOD. I believe that's the case, yeah. So, uh, and I don't think there's anything, I'm looking at a list, and it doesn't seem like there's anything new being released on that scale. Not on that uh, scale, no. I mean, we did see, um, there's some movies that are going to streaming platforms, like at some point here soon, The Lovebirds is going to go to Netflix, and yeah. our, our, Disney had a huge um like mass exodus of, of movies being delayed, and like Artemis Fowl is now going to Disney+. Plus. Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. There's yeah, that they've like shifted all their their slate uh all the Marvel films and everything and then was there something else that was going to Disney Plus or was it just Artemis Fowl? Artemis Fowl is the only thing that's for sure going to Disney Plus. Um there's some movies that that are candidates that don't have new release dates. So like there's things like um like Jungle Cruise that got pushed back a year i think or close to a year yeah and like the bob's burgers movies got uh got pushed back almost a year and uh uh but i think that there's stuff like new mutants that never got a new release date which i i i'm willing to bet that that movie will die its death on vod somewhere yeah i mean i'm sure i i can't understand why that one i don't know what they're waiting for with that because that's the last gasp of the the x-men the fox x-men stuff right like that's supposed to be the, it was yes. supposed to be in that continuity, so to speak, for what it's worth, for what it was worth. That's I, right. Yeah. yeah. That movie's cursed like a motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, well, it was supposed it's... to come out in like 2019, right? Um. Yeah. I mean, if not a little bit earlier, I, I mean, it's been pushed back. I think this is the fourth time it's been pushed back. And there was a, there was someone on Twitter um, recently. So the director of that movie is Josh Boone. Uh, who mm-hmm. did uh, Falls on Our Stars and a couple other things. And uh, and so he's had this movie pushed back four times now, and then someone was saying that he's the most cursed man in Hollywood right now because starting in September, he started filming uh, an adaptation for CBS All Access of the Stephen King's The Stand, a movie yes. about a global pandemic that wipes out like like 90% of the world's population, which I cannot imagine people will be in the mood for um, once the, the dust settles on all this stuff. And I can't imagine it happening, but, or at least happening anytime soon. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a weird, it's a weird uh, thing to predict like that, that like you, you and I had talked um, uh, on our other podcast uh, that was released uh, last week, Quarren uh, stream with Jerry Rocha a little bit about what he thinks will happen in the comedy world after all this mm-hmm. is over. And we were curious about, you know, whether it's going to be dominated by, you know, self-isolation jokes or or what, or if it's just going to be humor going forward. And that's kind of what I'm worried about with upcoming movies and TV shows. Like, we're just going to be inundated with this stuff for the next two to three years, at least. I don't know. It's a... It's yeah, I- a it's a, it's a weird thing because everyone's living through it and like does everyone want to relive it again? You know, right. I don't know. Yeah. I I don't know. I, and 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 I also you know he also made an interesting point too about about being back in those places and how long it takes to bounce. I mean, initially I thought that that movies were going to see a huge bounce back once they were there, and then you know kind of Jerry brought up the point of not being able to imagine going to like a sporting event, for example. And if people are going to be a little bit um, on edge about crowds and 
um, in, in, you know, confined spaces and things like that. And, and I, that's a great question too, as well. And, and does the movie industry immediately bounce back or, you know, what ends up happening if AMC files bankruptcy, like they're apparently on the verge of doing, like, does that hurt them? I, it's, it's such an unknown at this point that it's hard to predict. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. And, and it just doesn't feel to me like VOD will take over movie theaters. I just, I, I don't have that feeling yet because I don't think that there's enough people that have bought into it outside of, you know, outs. And maybe this is just me and, and the anecdotal evidence I have with the people I know. I don't feel like, uh, streaming has taken root in movies outside of Netflix, outside of Disney plus outside of Hulu. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. don't know if you feel the same way, but I, I mean, if I told my, my sister, for example, like, Oh, you can go rent this movie. Be like, what? Why is it on Netflix? Why isn't it on Netflix? And, you know, it's not, not anything against her, but it's something that, you know, it's just not clear to a bunch of, to, to a lot of people, I think, because there's so many damn platforms too. You know, you've got Voodoo, you've got iTunes, you've got Amazon, that's, uh, that's YouTube. Tr- that's true, though I do wonder if, oddly enough, Trolls World Tour is maybe the the moment that it needs to get on the radar in a more mainstream way, yeah. where where maybe these families are, are, are finally looking into how to get this movie if it's been advertised, and then realizing that, yes, there is a... A, a splintering of platforms for original content, but for rental stuff across the board, Vudu, iTunes, uh, Google Play, um, you know, Amazon, all of these places all have the same stuff to rent. There's not a lot of rental exclusives. So that could be somewhere where um, they fire up whatever app or subscription service minus Netflix that they have, like Netflix or Hulu, and in 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 figure out how to buy and rent movies and then as a result maybe browse and, and figure out what else they can rent at a cheaper cost as well so yeah. I, I don't know it, it it all depends on how big the trolls world tour thing is and also to be quite honest how long the quarantine stuff lasts where the only source of new entertainment that um that is you know theatrical based is you know renting and finding the movies that way yeah, and I think they did a, a a pretty great job with the ad campaign for Trolls. I don't know if you saw any of it, talking about like it's a world premiere under couch and all this other stuff. Uh, yeah, and 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 uh, you know, I don't know about you, but I use Roku for streaming most of my stuff, and mm-hmm. there's always ads on the side of the page. Yeah, and you know, it's always a Trolls ad. So, I mean, I think that that's probably the biggest, the biggest thing. I don't, I don't know that will change is movie theaters because i don't know that people can you know people are willing to pay that twenty dollars i it's a weird i don't maybe i'm approaching it all wrong but it feels like it costs more money that way even though you know taking you and two kids to the movies is going to be way more than 20 bucks yeah i mean yes i mean and it, it, like I think we talked about it the very first week we did this is it's going to be interesting to see because suddenly when you have a family of four, the value is great. But when you're a single person at home watching by yourself, the value <laughs> yeah. sucks, you know, yeah, 20. Yeah. 20 bucks is not, um, you know, when you could go do the what, what is it now? Um, AMC Stubbs, a list or uh, the mm-hmm. Regal, whatever it is that the you know, the movie pass um, ancestors or uh, not ancestors, but uh descendants mm-hmm. 
you know, and you could go see, you know, 10 movies in a month for, you know, 20 bucks or however much it costs. I don't yeah. know. It's it's a it's a big um it's a big giant question mark I think still. And it seems like the studios are are playing it to be uh as though theaters are coming back like well, without he, a, without question. Yeah, and I, and look, I mean, there's a lot of people uh on online who seem to be concerned and are sort of lamenting the death of the theatrical experience. And I think that's a little bit too over the top. I I, I don't I don't think that there's any reason to worry that movie theaters are going to die. It's just, I agree. It, it's just one of those things where it, it's hard to see an end to it right now because there's no end to anything and that everything else is such a big question mark. But can you really imagine a world in which movie theaters don't exist? I mean, it's 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 just really hard to believe. Now, maybe this opens up a completely new avenue for independent film or for smaller budget movies or for things that – you know, are are more easily uh, dumped online or on VOD platforms than booking, you know, a thousand or two thousand theaters in a limited release and, and barely selling tickets. You know, maybe there's a new avenue for that. But, you know, there's there, there in no world does it exist where, you know, the MCU is going to move to VOD like it just that's just not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe it'll kill an out, an, excuse me, an art house, not an outhouse. <laughs> an, <laughs> Freudian slip. It'll it'll kill an out. Uh, God damn it. I fucking said it again. It'll kill an art house or two, maybe. And maybe there won't be so goddamn many movie theaters. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I just, again, I, I don't it's. It's strange right now because this trolls thing is a huge experiment. It feels like to me, but then there's no other, nothing else scheduled to experiment with coming up. So, uh, you know, the, the the studios at the end of this are still seeing, you know, movie theaters on the other side. Um, I just wonder how they ramp up again. Uh, you know, with uh. Like, is there going to be a like a distribution hole? Is there going to be something that is that why everything's getting pushed back like a year because they they can't produce anything right now? I'm assuming. I think, I think so. Yeah, I think that there's. I think that essentially what whatever's in the can right now is being pushed back further so that they have more time to make the stuff that's not made or in post production or in, to finish up or you know. I, I and I kind of wonder what I was thinking. The other day was I wonder if for a little while we see a bunch of animated films uh, start to appear because I feel like with animated films, people can like work from home and stuff um, more so than you can definitely do with like a live action type of movie. So I, I kind of wonder if if that will be any kind of uh, or, or like maybe a, um, a big time director will make their first animated movie or something like that to, to find something to pass the time or, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I don't know. It's a it's an interesting spot to be in right now. I think most animation is done like you'd have to have a huge server, access to a huge server to render it. Yeah, just uh, use Dropbox. <laughs> you just Dropboxing files. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, yeah. Uh, anything else before we move on? Uh, no, I was I was sort of um, like trying to read what what the expectations were of. Uh, um uh Trolls World Tour and they say that in its first VOD cycle some analysts are predicting 9 to 12 million global transactions for Trolls World Tour which would mean about 200 million dollars in revenue. <laughs> Fuck. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. That would be massive. 
if that's if that turns out to be true, that would be see that may be a, like a game changer right there. Right. Like like for a kids movie, like if you don't want to drag your kids out to a movie theater, like something you know, something I, and you know something along the lines of another DreamWorks movie maybe mm-hmm. that you don't want to you know it's not some prestige thing like, uh, uh, you know a Pixar or whatever. And that would be fucking massive. That, yeah, and I mean, it, it, and so they leave a reference point too of of how John Wick three, um, when it had its first month in home of home entertainment, um, it, they had three million units or transactions. So, and that's a movie that was already in theaters that people had seen. I, admittedly, maybe the price the price point was probably lower, but but to, but to just illustrate that millions of people have the capacity and ability to rent the movie and the and the you know the wherewithal. And again, if, if again, if you do. Uh, nine to twelve million people in separate transactions of rentals. That's <laughs> that's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. That's like that's like when they would figure like a like if you if you translated a um, like the audience for like a TV show in the nineties to film like mm-hmm. to the people going to the movies, it would be just a, like a billion dollar film every time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, who knows? So I could be totally fucking wrong. But maybe maybe more people know how to rent a film online than I give them credit for i i think that's the case these days um i i mean i i know very few people who don't you know know how to use amazon and i think that it, it's that easy i mean just logging on to amazon and typing in a movie and renting it and i think it, with especially with amazon being a streaming service of its own that has like prime streaming i think that's yeah. maybe the easiest input or or, or way to do it or how if people i mean apple tvs are super popular so um, having easy access through Apple, I think, is in, in sort of the, um, you know, having the built-in stuff with your phone is an yeah. easy way to do it. But yeah, I, I mean, I think I think that people have the wherewithal to 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 figure that out or, or have at least here and not to hark too much on this, but the reason I think that that it's the case is because physical media and especially in the case of rentals and blockbusters and even to some extent Redbox is is like dead i mean movie theater rental place or, or i'm sorry movie rental places are entirely dead and i don't hear anyone talking about Redbox. yet somehow i'm sure people are still consuming these movies at home so they have to know how to rent because you know it's i mean i don't think movie rentals have gone away it's just the physical media part of it has sort of gone away so yeah i, I guess i'm maybe i'm underestimating the public uh just thinking about you know the the people in my life I deal with that don't necessarily know how to do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so I I'm probably selling people way too short. Well, maybe stop hanging around such simpletons. <laughs> you know what it's like being the family computer guy. Yes, I do. Okay, I exactly well that's that's, that's like. the that's that feeling. <laughs> I'm the guy. I'm the the nerd that stayed inside and played with my computer all the time. So now I'm the one that has to fix everybody's bullshit when it breaks. No, I've been doing that for decades. So I get yeah. it. Oh, yeah. All right, let's go ahead and move on to reviews. Here are this week's reviews. First up, we have Tiger Tail. Okay, 
听说你要去美国，是真的。我有一个女儿叫珍珍，我们一直在帮她物色一个可靠的对象。我能问你一个问题吗？你为什么不告诉我你要离开 ？This sounds way more upbeat of a title than it is.、Um, is that because you're thinking about Tiger Beat? Yeah, or Tiger King. <laughs> yeah.、Uh, <laughs> this is also、uh, speaking of on Netflix.、Uh, this is a film、uh, from director Alan Yang, who you may know.、Um, Or you may not know as the one of the co-creators of、uh, Master of None, the Aziz Ansari show, which I guess is still maybe coming back. I think last I heard, it was it was done until he because I think he he was one of those people who said that Master of None was about being in his thirties and he probably wouldn't return to it until he had something to say about being in his forties. Plus, he had the whole、uh, yeah controversy. Yeah. Anyway,、uh, so what did you think of Tiger Tail, Cody? Well, beyond、um, uh, Master of None, Alan Yang was also a writer on Parks and Rec from the beginning, since season one and all the way through its run. And、mm-hmm. that's where I knew him from initially.、Um, he has a small cameo as the bass player in Mouse Rat.、Um, just a fun fact for people.、Uh, but anyway, <laughs>、uh, he、uh, so he's he's really known for comedy, obviously. And Master of None, of course, had some drama elements, and and he did win an Emmy for writing on Master of None. Um, but、uh, this is a very sincere take that I, I I heard him on the Comedy Bang Bang podcast earlier this week and talking about the movie and、um, and it's sort of a sincere take on like his family story,、um, which which is is sort of like an immigrant story coming from Taiwan to America in a in in sort of a, a borderline arranged marriage fashion. Um, and、uh, and and then kind of seeing the problems it took to both assimilate and then you know just two people not wanting to be together.、Um, and I I can't you know I, I first and foremost I think the movie is 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 decent.、Um, I liked it enough.、Uh, I do think that it is a very、uh, it's maybe subdued to a fault.、Uh, it's a very quiet movie.、Um, I sort of I I sort of think that it it has. Some structural problems to it.、Um, I don't know how you felt, but I think I think、uh, jumping back and forth from the past to present is not always、um, successful,、um, and I feel like it kind of undercuts the sort of sweeping nature that the, the of the movie that it kind of wants to be. And I, I can't, I sort of can't take credit for original thought because I did see this from a Rotten Tomatoes quote. I forget the critic, but I completely agree with the notion. Which is that this feels like a movie that was aiming to be like a three-hour epic story that spanned generations or decades, that somehow has like an hour and a half missing, and I think that's the <laughs> that's the biggest criticism I have of the movie is that the scope of the movie is 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 almost like too much for Yang to handle. I think, and I think he loses sight of the scope of it by keeping it so condensed and small. Um, uh, because that's what, I mean. That's what it feels like. It feels like a decade-spanning story of of you know love and regret and and you know there's there's storylines about how you know the the main character his daughter's life is kind of mirroring him and person his personality in a way too, and they have trouble connecting. And I think those were like those were the best moments of the movie where you know you you've got a character struggling to connect with his daughter. 
um, who, you know, his daughter is an American and, and he was not, he was not, you know, he, he moved to the country and, and they have, there's almost like a cultural difference within the family, which I think is a, a really interesting thing to, um, to explore. And I think it, it does so in successful moments. I just said, I just think, like I said, I, I think the scope of the story is maybe too ambitious for, um, for what it ultimately ends up being. Yeah, I, I, um, I agree with that to a point. Um, well, I, I mean, I agree with that all the way through. I do think it's, um, it assumes we know a lot more about Taiwanese culture and, and you know, kind of the, 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 um, occupation, uh, and, and, you know, dissidents with, within there that from the Chinese government, uh, you, if you know, like Taiwan is like a disputed territory with China and, you know, it's not officially recognized by world governments, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I think that the movie takes a lot of liberties, um, with the knowledge we have of that, because I don't think like the flashbacks for one, I don't know that you get a proper sense of time, especially with the childhood ones. Yeah. And then the, the, um, you know, the, the like teenage early adult one versions, it, it's a little, um, you know, it's a little kind of cliche. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think, I think that part of the movie suffers the most from, from the cliche. Like it doesn't feel like anything you haven't seen before, you know, just with the, the characters speaking, you know, Taiwanese or, or Mandarin. Uh, but you know, you've even got the same story beat. Like here's this, this couple that comes to New York with nothing. And the guy walks by a store and he sees a help wanted sign and he goes in and shakes the hand of, you know, in a montage, shakes the hand of the, the owner. So it's, it's, it feels like a story that's been told before with, from that, um, you know, there's a, a kind of undercurrent of, uh, regret and sadness that runs through the whole thing. Uh, uh, Ma is the, the main character who you've seen in 10 million things, most notably the farewell, I think recently, mm -hmm. but, uh, he's been, He's like the Chinese guy in every like '90s action movie. Yeah, uh, like he's in Rush Hour, and uh, and I mean, I'm not that's not a derogatory term. He's a character actor. I think is you know yeah. the um the uh, he's in um uh, Arrival, uh, a bunch of other stuff. Um, uh, he's of course in, in the new the new Mulan movie that hasn't come out yet. Um, but anyway, he uh, he has this this kind of uh, uh, undercurrent of sadness that runs through his life. And I don't know that the jumping around really illustrates that enough. I, I think you're right because I think I, I, and this is why I feel like there's stuff m missing in the movie because, because what you see of him as a young person is a completely different person than him in present day. And there's not enough to fill in the gaps to, to figure out how he got from one place to another. Even when, you know, the story of his younger self has completed, it almost instantly jumps to the moment where he and his wife have a discussion or whatever. Like, it, mm -hmm. like there's, there's no in-between, so it's almost like you can't see even a slow decline. Now, I, you can see the fact that his life didn't turn out the way that he thought it would, but also it doesn't, it doesn't explain how he turns into a, a completely silent, almost, person who has a complete inability to communicate. You just don't see that, especially juxtaposed against who he was when he was younger. And I think maybe 
what Yang meant to do was to show the sl- the slow decline and how you know moving to America sort of took away his personality a little bit and who he was. But I, it's 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 a lot of s- steps and jumps to connect, um, as opposed to like anything substantial being on screen for you to kind of connect the dots with. Yeah, and I feel like uh, you know this is. I don't know if we talked about this already. I can't remember. Uh, this is supposed to be sort of autobiographical mm-hmm. uh, to a point from Yang about his his own father. And I don't know that, you know, there there seems to be a lot of, uh, you know, the blank spaces in there that, you know, doesn't seem like there's anything real informing them other than, again, kind of cliche. You know, he had to it was a borderline arranged marriage. He left behind the woman he loved. And, you know, went to America with this woman who he didn't love, but was still, uh, you know, became the mother of his children. And they went to America with high hopes and had no money, et cetera, et cetera. So it feels like it feels like the outline of a story. It, it feels doesn't feel like there's any real details from Yang's father's life in there. And maybe it happened exactly like this. Yeah. But it doesn't feel fleshed out to me. Well, and I and I think that it's it's honestly a bit of a, in my opinion, um, I, I, there's a story there that that is still somewhat generic of of like the American dream gone wrong. Right, that's what I mean. That I think is is an interesting story to tell, but again, I I don't I don't know that it tells it in a way that is interesting. You know, like like it can be interesting, but this version of it is not always. Well, that's it, that's. Oh, sorry, I didn't interrupt. Well, and, well, and I think that the the stuff that is interesting to me is is the stu- like the the elements of regret. Like I think that as a theme within the movie is the best part of it, and especially not only regret but like you know again his inability to com- communicate with his daughter again I think is uh, another great element of the movie and stuff that I really liked. I just don't I don't know that it's 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 a fully fleshed out thing. Well, the, the stuff with the daughter too felt not very well completed uh to me like it felt like it was going on in a in a way that was supposed to be like it was parallel but it didn't feel like you didn't you didn't get to know the daughter enough as a character i don't think i that's fair to really to really get invested in that storyline um you know there there not to say there aren't some good bright spots and i think um later on in the movie there's uh a few uh scenes uh, where he uh, ends up, you know, kind of reconnecting with someone mm-hmm. over Facebook, mm-hmm. and it kind of like brightens his existence for a little while. Yeah, and I think that was a really fun little bit of the movie. It kind of of showed what he was missing, um, and then you know it, it culminates in a scene that that's not you know it's you know it's just a sweet scene. It's not even bittersweet, and then it doesn't really pay off in any sort of way. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I I really like that section of the movie as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and but yeah, it's it's sort of once that character is is out of the scene, it's they're out of the movie. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. all together and all around. And I don't really know that he, that he is overall impacted by it, right? Um, in, in any positive or lasting way. So you know, it it was a, it's a it's a bit of a frustrating movie. Um, because I feel like there's, there's more there and there's, I I think he's clearly a super talented guy. I just don't know that he, 
he has he he completed what he what he was trying to accomplish in terms of scope and um and in some of the thematic elements um as well as you know creating a a story and and again i i really think that creating a, a compelling story with like a beginning middle and end is so hurt by the um the jumping back and forth during time frames um i really don't think it does the movie any favors at all yeah, I don't know what it accomplishes. I really don't. Um, Especially when when I, when you see him in present day, he's sort of like a shell of a person. Like it's it's you're not you're going back and you're seeing just a hollow character. And I I don't really think that it's it gets across any point other than the fact that the guy is just hollow. Well, and yeah, and and that you know, like you know, that's not going to turn out well. You know, I'm not, I don't want to say it's a spoiler, but you kind of can feel out the story beats from there. Yeah. Excuse me. Anyway, what's your grade for Tiger Tail? Uh, I give it a B minus. I think it's recommendable. I, I think the expectations should be maybe a little bit lowered and, and, um, and, and knowing that, that there's, you know, it, it is not the epic movie that it, that it probably appears. I haven't even seen a trailer, but I imagine the trailer makes it look like a sprawling epic. Um, and it's, it's not that. Um, but I think if you take it for what it is, the elements combined enough to make a, a movie that I would recommend, though I wouldn't, I would say is unspectacular. Yeah. B minus for me too. I don't think it's, it's bad by any stretch, but it, it is a little disappointing. And it's, it's, you know, with, uh, um, kind of more awareness than ever on Asian cinema. Uh, after Parasite, I think it's, um, you know, it's not exactly, you're not going to find the same sort of level of storytelling in something like that or oh, even no. The Farewell. Uh, anyway, uh, let's go ahead and move on to our next movie, Accelerator. Code 3, all units. That's him, move in. All teams, move in. In about 60 seconds, a bunch of guys with guns are going to kill us both. If you don't do as I say, drive. This is the second time you've been late this week. I made something, something that could change everything, the whole world. One more write-up and you'll be terminated. And these people are chasing us because they want it. What? I'm sure Prince Charming is gonna just drop out of thin air and just whisk you away. What is this that uh, teleports human beings from one place into another? Are you like a crazy person? You have a small army at your disposal. Will you use it? You get me that thing? It's going to be Christmas morning. Now that Sai has gone rogue, I want him also. I'm always up for a little fun. Okay, this is a this is a strange one, uh, Cody, because uh, I was made aware of this film on Friday uh, from an, a press release email from our friends at Rift Tracks, who have. Um, you know, provided us with content interview stuff before. Uh, this is a film from uh, director David Giancola, who, if you don't know, is like a Vermont-based filmmaker. Um, and he's done, like, he, he makes films uh, that are, you know, nice, kindly called B-movies. Um, he's had a few movies riffed. He had a, a movie riffed on... on the original Mystery Science Theater 3000 called Time Chasers, which was revisited by Rift Tracks. And there's a couple other films he did. Um, uh, Icebreaker and then another one I can't remember. Uh, something with Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> That's the level of, of actor you get in a, in a David G. and Cola film. So this film uh, is was released by Rift Tracks uh, under the, guy, under the uh, explanation that it was supposed to be at film festivals. But mm. the um, 
the uh, quarantine kind of uh, ruined that. And uh, this is, uh, they were releasing it for 48 hours for free to watch, uh, to stream. And then it's going to Amazon uh, to buy or rent. So you and I watched this. <laughs> I already know, but what did you think of Accelerator? Well, um, interesting. I don't really know. So it actually played in Austin in June. Uh, it was the Texas premiere as part of the Other Worlds Film Festival. Wait, really? Last last June? Yeah, June 2019. Oh, yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, because I was I was just googling to see what kind of film festival would accept this thing, and um, <laughs> <laughs> dude, there are film festivals for everything. Yeah, so. I know. Yeah, but it was it was uh, it was the Other Worlds Film Festival in Austin. Um, it was the Texas premiere in June. So anyway, um, you know, I, I don't I don't have a ton to say about the movie. I mean, we can definitely talk about it, but. <laughs> you know if you're so here's the thing is is that if riff tracks is putting it on or putting it out i have some uh i have some belief stepping into it that there's going to be some element of like a, a movie where you can back practically hear the jokes in the background you know or like imagine what they would riff on or make fun of or, or having it be um uh you know uh something that that's easy to make fun of or something like that. And I think this is one of the reasons that that B movies are such a a a like a coin flip at this point in time because I feel like um things have things I don't know filmmaking or video quality or effects budget effects or something like that have come such to such a like a, a place to where you can make a movie coherently it's been really democratized. Um, it, yeah, and I also think too, it, it's hard to capture that purposefully. So, like, it feels like you're trying too hard to make a shitty B movie instead of having it just be a shitty B movie um, because of what what came out. Like, it's like it's hard to design. Like, if if the room was intentional, you know, it, it's it's hard to manufacture something like that. Um, so, having said that. I think the best way I can put the movie is it is the least competent that a competent movie can be. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like, it's, I think so. It's it's a competent. It's competently made, but like on the lowest scale possible. Like it um, just barely gets by. Yeah, like like you can like you can tell that they that they knew what they were doing, right? So yes. Like, is there is there shitty, awful green screening? Yeah, of course. Uh, is is there you know terrible acting all around? Yeah, of course. But like, there's car chase scenes that are fine, you know. Um, yeah, there were those were actually really well done. Yeah, I, I yeah, thought at so, least you know, for, at least from the exterior. Yeah, or like <laughs> the, the interior. Was... There's a there's a chase that happens on snowboards and skis. I think that yeah, is that... surprisingly competent as well. Mm -hmm. um, but man, I like. It's it, it it's just a bad movie. Like it, it's a bad movie that doesn't really have the the B movie. Like I'm having fun with this type thing for me at least. Um, it is missing the part that is that is self that's either self aware to the point where like, um, you know they they. I mean it, it's hard. I don't want to confuse this because 
<laughs> it is self-aware because it does know it's a it's a B movie, but also at the same time, I think it's it's competent enough to where like it's it it, it comes off as mildly sincere uh, because it's they, like you can tell that there's actual effort put into it. Um, but I mean, look, this, the performances are so stilted. Uh, and I think in particular, I messaged you and I said, like, why does Sean Young look like she's never acted before? Like it's, she, she has like a deer in the headlights in every scene. It's so weird. So, so that, yeah, I, just to, to run down the cast of like kind of has-beens. Yeah. Uh, it's Sam J. Jones, who was in, uh, who played Flash Gordon in Flash Gordon and then was like spoofed it in Ted. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's Sean Young, who was of course in Blade Runner and Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Who again is I don't know what she's doing. She's very stiff and stilted. And uh, there's a guy named John James who was in in Dynasty, which I never saw. That's mm-hmm. a TV show. My parents watched that. And then Maxwell Caulfield, who um, was in Greece too, and of course was Rex Manning in Empire Records. Uh, did you ever see Empire Records? That's a big deal. No, I didn't. Uh, okay, well it was yeah. He's like the yeah. Anyway, but. Um, I- but yeah, just even like plotline, it's just it's just following like a worthless doodad that that just doesn't make any sense, and 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 it's like it's it's a it's not time travel. It's more of like a, a, a like a it's teleportation like a, device. But it's like a but it's like a wish teleporter. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's, you, have to, you, have, you have to think about what you want, and it takes your subconscious. Like, how does this even work? <laughs> yeah, it just it doesn't make any sense. And then it's got this plotline of like uh, you know a, a goofy. Um, like lose, like lovable loser guy happens to just wind up in the arms of a fucking model, and just like I don't know, it's 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 just such a and, and like one of the, the the one time I did laugh if I got because normally these movies what you would want is to at least be like oh it's so bad it's good and have fun with it which I didn't, but there is one scene there's there's a gratuitous amount of really bad uh, usage of stock footage. Uh, and in particular, there, there's a there's a scene where they're driving a jeep to the Grand Canyon, and they've got like a like a bird's eye view of this jeep traveling through and driving, and it's like off roading, and you can clearly tell that there's someone in the back seat in this stock footage, and and then you cut to just two people in the front seat, and it's just so awful. It, and it, it clearly looks like it's a commercial, like <laughs> yes. it's a commercial stock footage. It's like the the shit you'd see like in a in a Jeep commercial, doing a bunch of rugged shit. Um, yeah, I, and look, it's bad. I'm not gonna lie though. I I kind of dug the lead actor. Uh, is a guy named Ryan Wesson. I didn't think he was terrible. I think in the in like a he'd be like a good like lead in a sitcom somewhere. Because I didn't hate him. The girl that was the model was not great i mean she was literally she literally won america's next top model yeah that's where she's known from why did they stick her in like terrible mom jeans by the way i don't did you notice that yeah i did uh like, i, I do like know. she was not attractively dressed at all i mean not that that's important but it still was like very distracting she was wearing like 2005's mom jeans and, and then she like on top she was dressed like she was in the grunge era yeah yeah it was weird it was a weird uh combination of things um, so, um, yeah, there's some really terrible, terrible green screen in this, uh, that is laughably stilted and bad. Um, I feel like I want to say Sam Jones is having a really great time, but he's really bad in, 
<laughs> I almost, I think that maybe he's, well, I, maybe I shouldn't say this, but he, I think he like, he's like, like high or something in it. Like, he's, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, like, I, I, like, it truly seems like he's on another planet at times where he's just sort of like, like the lines are like of dialogue are imprinted in his head, but like he's not there, <laughs> like he's not present. I don't know. <laughs> and then like uh, there's like really low budget crap, like um, uh, so I don't remember even what the plot is. But Maxwell Caulfield is supposed to be like some government official, like a senator. I don't know what his character is supposed to be. And they keep showing like the exterior of this like uh you know government building in Washington, and like inside his office, there's these terrible, terrible drapes that are like floral print. Yeah, and it just looks so stupid. <laughs> it's like they had the location, but they couldn't take down the drapes. Yeah, and then uh, um, again, the stock footage with the Jeep commercial, or the the, the stock footage that looks like a Jeep commercial. And then there's a scene where um, the ma- two main characters, like Sam Jones' character, catches up with them. <laughs> Yeah. And it's so stupidly framed <laughs> that, like, he ends up, like, they're on train tracks, and he ends up, like, walking behind them for, like, a good 15 seconds of screen time. Yeah, just leisurely, like, withholding a gun, just leisurely walking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's no, like, it, it, that made me laugh out loud. Um, Like you said, it it's weirdly competent, and, and I guess that's part of the filmmaking uh, thing getting easier. You know, the effects other than the the green screen they're not terrible um the car chase stuff is really well done the snowboard thing is really kind of fun uh but man it's just like i don't i don't know what this the ultimate goal of this is and again i i don't know where these movies live now that you know stuff like blockbuster is gone where you could just kind of fall into this yeah, I and again, I think that the I, the the problem that I have is just like it's almost as if they said like, "Hey, let's make a a, a shitty B movie, but not too shitty." And what you ultimately get is like a bad movie that has no major sense of humor or personality because it's it just sort of it's a bland uh like what thinks it is a high concept movie that is just it's generically written that sounds like it was written in like a you know, with like a, a a template and a Mad Lib, like it just, it just mm-hmm. it doesn't. It just really. Uh, I I will say this. Uh, to to be fair, I I think you finally get the insanity that you're looking for in like the last ten minutes of the movie. It's very brief, very short, but there's like it, in particular, like that that snowboarding chase is ridiculous, and then mm-hmm. and then like you have a character like spoiler alert who you think is dead who isn't dead. Um, mm-hmm. and he's trying to fix the doodat and he, there's a sequence, there's like a five second sequence where he can't figure it out and he throws it on the table and he goes fiddlesticks and then the thing just works. Yeah. And, yeah. and then he, and then he appears confused in a room. <laughs> like it's just, it is just the stupidest sequence of the movie. And I was like, and I laughed at that and I'm like, okay, well th- at least this is ridiculous enough to like make me laugh. But I, but for the most part, I was not enjoying any of it. Yeah, I, it was a, it was tough to get through, and I assume it'll be um, something Rift Tracks releases with, um, you know, their jokes attached to it eventually. But uh, as it stands, as a as a normal film, I, I don't know if you know this. Occasionally, they do release some um, unriffed movies. 
Like yeah. that's where some like this is like its first real release. They have um um they released a film by uh uh James Wen who did Birdemic. Ugh. Uh they they released his film Replica. Like that was the first place it got released. Fucking Replica, if you thought Birdemic Birdemic was like his newest film they've done. Um, but then there's a film before that called Julian Jack, and then another film called Replica, which Replica has a bunch of terrible, terrible green screen on terrible CGI backgrounds. Mm. Um, but they released that without the jokes, and I I tried watching it once, and it was I just couldn't get through it because it was so bad. This was at least a little more coherent and competent, but it was still it's still not something I enjoyed. It's a like like I said, I don't know where these movies live and what the audience for them is outside of someone who's just going to be like, fuck it, let's watch this. And I don't know where you get that now, if it's just like on some streaming service somewhere. Yeah, I, ma- I imagine that it's, it's it's I mean, I think movies like this are probably a dime a dozen on Netflix if you if you like get through the popular studio stuff i mean this is the kind of stuff that would have been on netflix when it first launched when they had like (laughs) no material and you were just going through like what like looking at these shitty photoshopped dvd covers and being like what the fuck is this like (laughs) yeah i I still have some some of that stuff in my queue i'm like what the fuck was i thinking (laughs) oh because this was all they had like yeah that that's that's I think where a movie like this would have previously or like a Redbox exclusive like Redbox has its own digital platform that has nothing on it like it would thrive there maybe um, I sent you a picture once and I can't remember what it was what the movie was called but it was like a Bob Saget movie <laughs> yeah it was a Redbox exclusive fuck I don't remember what it was <laughs> oh. anyway what's your grade for Accelerator by the way Accelerator A X C E L L E R A O T R. If you're looking forward to rent, so yeah. And I think by the time this comes out, if if this comes out late Friday or Sunday, you may have a chance to still stream it. Um, yeah. But I think it's it's as of Monday morning, it's going to go to Amazon to rent. Hopefully for like you know like ninety nine cents or something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I give it a D. It's terrible. Yeah, a, a D for me too is is about right. It's not a good movie. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for this week. Again, next week, I don't know what we're doing. Well, Jared, last week we, and I'm sure that there's a lot of disappointed oh, God listeners. Damn it. Fuck, I forgot. Yeah. I totally forgot. Yeah, there's a lot of disappointed listeners that we did not cover Butt Boy uh, this week. Uh, what, <laughs> what we decided to do is that the Butt Boy actually comes out on Tuesday this week. So we're going to go ahead and push till next week just to make sure we have something to talk about because I think that it's going to get a little bit grim here in the next few weeks. Um, so we'll, we'll have something. I know there's a, there's a new Amazon movie that's coming out called Sela and the Spades, which we may cover, but I'm going to go ahead and, and, and Monday or Tuesday of this week, kind of, uh, look and see what's coming out on, on, uh, on Friday and, and try to get us maybe another movie or two to, to cover that might be good. Man, butt boy is coming out on my wife's birthday. How could it, Aww. how could it be better? <laughs> that's so, that's so uh, awesome. <laughs> uh, also we have, uh, two other podcasts. Uh, our newest one is called Quarren Stream. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Uh, we uh, First episode is out now. Second episode will be out uh, a little later this week. We spoke to uh, comedian Jerry Rocha, longtime friend of Cody, uh, previous guest on the show, uh, very funny comedian, uh, lives in L.A., uh, big nerd. Um, <laughs> always, You can find him on Twitch and, and, and Instagram playing video games. Um, anyway, we, uh, we both pitched a film to him to watch during quarantine. 
He pitched one to us to watch. Um, we pitched, uh, respectively. I, it was, um, for me, it was, uh, uh, man versus snake for you, uh, finders keepers, both documentaries. And he, uh, had us watch chopping mall. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can hear how we, uh, which film he picked and, um, how we, uh, how we liked what we thought of chopping mall uh when that next episode gets released again that's called quarren stream uh yet another cinesnob podcast i think is what you have to search for yeah and if you uh if you could please too if you like what you hear uh if you can leave us a uh five star rating and a positive text review uh so that we can hopefully get seen by more people uh it's really i i like the show a lot i like the concept of it and and it's not just about rec streaming recommendations but it's also talking a little bit about you know how each guest's industry has been shifted and changed by uh by the um you know the quarantine orders and the stay at home orders you know for, for you know as Jerry talks about in the in the episode as you'll hear uh, you know he's been going up most nights to a comedy club since he was graduated high school and he's in his 40s now so like it's been over two decades since he's gone this long without performing so it's obviously a massive adjustment for entertainers out there yeah uh, and then our other show is called ReMCU we're where we are rewatching the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We just released the Captain America episode last week. Uh, coming up next is the Avengers, which uh, I've finished watching, rewatching. Cody, I don't know if you have yet. Not yet. I'm I'm about like forty minutes in. I need to finish it up. This is something I've noticed, and we'll talk about it when we get to the show. Is like they've unrepentantly gotten longer and longer at this point. Oh yeah, and I, yeah. And I don't think they I don't think there's anything other than like maybe Ant-Man that's shorter. I believe Ant-Man is the exception that might I think Ant-Man's the first Ant-Man's what, like an hour 40 or something like that. uh, Yeah, something like I don't remember terribly well. Uh, Yeah. So that's out right now. Re-MCU, rewatching the Marvel Cinematic Universe again. You like that one. (laughs) Ant-Man's two hours long. (laughs) I guess we're wrong. Fuck. Uh, It's uh, still shorter than Avengers because Avengers like 224, something like that. Uh, you can uh, uh, please leave us a five-star review and a text rating on that. Um, you find that wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, anything else before we wrap this? Oh, yeah. If you want to reach us, you can email us at podcast at cinesnob.net. Find us on Facebook at CineSnobCritic, uh, Twitter at CineSnob. Um, all right, did you update your letterbox, Cody? Uh, nope. Have not updated the letterbox. <laughs> I knew all the time in the world now. <laughs> when you started this, you had such grand ambitions. Well, I mean, now like the world has stood still. And you, <laughs> you to be fair, to, to play devil's advocate here, when <laughs> when the world was normal and there were movies that I was seeing on a regular basis, I was having no problem keeping it up with, I you know, like, uh, but now I haven't gone to the movie theater in a month and, uh, I don't have a lot of, you know, am I really going to put, you know, get excited about putting Accelerator on my letterbox? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Um, yeah, and you can find, uh, I've got some stuff on thehardtimes.net. I've got, um, I think I've got a Simpsons-related one in the pipe. Uh, I don't know when that's coming out, but that's been a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, uh, anything else before we go? Nope, just keep on keeping on out there, and uh, we will continue to... You know, we covered Accelerator here, so we know no depths, uh, and we'll go any place. <laughs> we, we were presented a free movie, and we took it. So, <laughs> knowing full well that it would be bad, like yeah, we were pre- we were presented a free movie 
by the people who were in Mystery Science Theater 3000. <laughs> and we know full fucking well what it was going to be. So, <laughs> so there's, there's no stone unturned here. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, on that and, note, I'm Jerry Kingery. And I'm Cody Viafania. Thank you for listening to this Cine Snob podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit CineSnob.net. See you next week.